My name is Robert Denard. I'm the youth pastor at South Hills Assembly of God in Bethel Park, Pennsylvania. It's good to see you guys. That's, my, that's, that's some of my youth group over there. Say hi, satellite youth. All right. And uh, like Pastor Stefan said, uh, my wife, uh, Pastor Tiffany and I, that's her back there in the back, that good-looking thing on the back row right there. We served here for about 10 years starting in, what, 2001, I think it was, we came on. Uh, one day we were sitting in the main service, and uh, they said, we need volunteers to come work with youth. And um, we thought about it, it's like, oh, that might be something that we're, we're interested in. And uh, called up later on and, had, and said, yeah, we want to volunteer. And you've had no idea that, uh, that that moment, that that phone call was going to change our lives and lead us into a, a lifetime of, of, uh, of ministry. And uh, God has just blessed us, and we've been blessed by you guys. So we served here um, as small group leaders or youth deacons is what we were called back in the day. And uh, small group leaders and eventually came on staff as assistant youth pastors and did uh, all the 5979 things. Went to, went to camp and, and, uh, and hung out and, and did all the things around here, three-on-three -three basketball and all those things. And um, had an awesome time. And then about four years ago, uh, God called us into full-time youth ministry uh, elsewhere, specific, specifically me into full-time youth ministry uh, elsewhere because I was kind of serving uh, as a lay pastor here. That means I was splitting time between my full-time job and this. And God called us out and into doing this full-time. So um, it's a privilege to be back. Um, we came here a couple of years ago. How many of you guys were here like two years ago when we were here? Do you, if you even remember. How many of you guys remember, like, have ever laid eyes on me or my wife before? Like, you were part of the youth group. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Old school, right? Old school 5979. Yeah. Four years is a lifetime. Like, it's a generation kind of thing in youth ministry. I got, like, when we left last time, most of you guys, like, were in diapers, it seems like. And we come back. You were, like, six, you know, sixth grade. You're just coming into youth group. You're looking all mousy and weird and, and stuff like that. And, and uh, now we come back, and you're all graduated and stuff. And, and uh, some of the youth that we had um, when we were here um, are, are, like, grown up and married. And some of them have kids and stuff like that now. I don't feel old. I'm not old. It's fine. Anyway, moving on. So, hey, I want to ask you guys something. Um, I almost always start off my messages the same way, and I got it from Pastor Stefan. Um, so I don't know if he still does this or not, but everybody lift up your right hand toward heaven and repeat this after me. Say, Jesus is. Jesus is. Wow. Y'all act like you mean it. Jesus is. Jesus is. The best thing. The best thing. That has ever. Happened, happened to me. Father God, in the name of Jesus, we know that you are here in this place tonight. Holy Spirit, you have already been having your way. I just ask that you continue doing that, Lord God. I ask that you get me out of the way and that you speak. I ask that you give each one of us here tonight ears to hear, give us eyes to see, give us a heart to receive and understand. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Come on now. I'm happy tonight. I'm full, of the Holy, I'm full of the Holy Ghost tonight. Can you tell? I get to talk about Jesus tonight. See, that kind of thing lights a fire up in me and as a pastor and it's just as a, as a Christian, as a follower of Jesus, getting to talk about him, getting to talk about who he is lights a fire in my heart, lights that fire down in my soul because I know who Jesus is. I know what he's done for me. I know what he's done for you. And I've been commissioned with this awesome privilege of telling others about him. And by the way, so have you if you're a follower of Christ. If you believe that, say amen. amen. Who is Jesus? I want to start, yeah, yeah, dwell on that, think on that. Who is Jesus? This is y'all's back to school bash tonight, right? Who goes back to school on Monday? God bless you. Homeschool forever, man. I never go back, right? Yeah. Most of you guys, that's right. Homeschoolers, you got it worse because your school really never ends, right? 
I got no sympathy for you homeschoolers. I'm sorry. I know you sleep till 11 every day, you know. Yes, it's, it's true. It's true. You know what's true. But for many of you, for many of you, you go back to school this week, Monday or Tuesday, or if not this week, then soon, right? And even my students, you, they don't go back till like the end of the month. Some of them don't start till September. Can you believe that? Pittsburgh. That's right. But if you walked into your school on Monday or Tuesday or whatever day it was, and someone asked you that question, who is Jesus? Would you be able to answer that? Some of you could. Some of you see, possibly. Some of you guys say that with a little bit less confidence. But here's the thing. I think that if you are a follower of Christ, if you say that you're a Christian, you need to be able to answer that. All right? That's what we're going to be talking about tonight. In a few days, all of you guys, whether you're 5979 Satellite Youth, whether you're just a visitor here, right, and you're not necessarily part of the youth group yet, uh, in a few days when you go back to your school, you are entering into what's called your mission field. Right? You're being sent into that place where God has set you for this season of your life. Right? People are, who are at your schools are, are, are hurting. There are people there who are sick. There are people who are there who, are, uh, who need a touch from God. There are people there who uh, get an earful and an eyeful of the wrong messages around the clock every day and who need a remedy for those things, all those things that are going wrong in their lives. There are people in your mission field who need Jesus in a bad way, but they don't even know who he really is, so they don't even know that they need him. If you're listening, say yeah. yeah. If you know who Jesus is, then you know that you need him, right? And the more that you know him, the better that you know him, the more that you know that you need him. Do you hear that? Yeah. If you got your Bibles with you, open up to Mark chapter 4, verse 35. We're going to teach a little bit tonight. Mark chapter 4, verse 35. Set this up. Mark 4 is this awesome chapter. Jesus te uh, teaches on some of these incredible parables. He talks about the, uh, the don't light a lamp and put it under a bowl. He talks about the, the faith of the, uh, of the mustard seed and, and all those things. And, and to set up what's happening now, Jesus uh, had been teaching, and there was a crowd around him that was so large, he had to get into a boat. He was by a, by a lake, and he had to get into this boat and set out a little bit from the shore so that everyone could see and so that everyone could hear, right? So here we go, Mark chapter 4, verse 35. <clears throat> that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving that crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. And here's where it gets interesting. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, which is a bad storm, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. <clears throat> Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. <clears throat> the disciples woke him and said, teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind. That's a cool picture. He said, wind, I rebuke you. <laughs> said to the waves, talk into water. Quiet, be still, right? <laughs> then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Have you ever been through a storm in your life? Most of us have. <clears throat> I certainly have. Maybe you're going through one right now. What are we supposed to do when we're going through those times? <clears throat> I want to talk to you about a storm that I went through about a year and a half ago. My youth know all about this. Uh, they saw it. Some of them actually were there when it happened. Um, we used to do this thing. We used to do this thing at Satellite Youth called the Winter Ski Retreat, right? And um, I don't know if you guys really know this about me. I didn't tell you earlier. I grew up in Kennesaw, right? 
Uh, when, I got, when I got older, I branched out. I moved to Paulding County, okay? <laughs> that became my mission field, right? <clears throat> Not a lot of big skiers come out of Kennesaw or Paulding County, right? Not snow skiers anyway. But there I go, right? We get up on the ski slopes, and I've got some of my youth there. Some of them are here tonight. And... Um, and I ride the chairlift up the mountain, and uh, never once, by the way, have I... Have, who's, who's been skiing before? Right? Snow skiing, right? Okay, not, not many of you. You know why? Because you live in Kennesaw, right? <laughs> I'm with you, right? Well, you, there's this thing called a chairlift. You get up, you ride this, this chairlift right up the mountain. You're coming up the chairlift, and you're supposed to... You've got your skis hanging off the bottom there like this, and it's supposed to just gently, like, you, you stand up as you reach the, the top of the mountain, and you just gently just kind of slide along. Never once, not one time as I, have I ever made it that way. The, ski, the, the chairlift comes up, and I immediately, boom, on my face, right? As soon as I get off. Every time. Every time. It's embarrassing. I, and so I'm at the top of the mountain. I got snow all over me, right? I'm dusting myself off, trying to, trying to do better. And, uh, and so finally... Um, it, it's time to go down the mountain, and, and I've got one of my youth, you know, northerners and stuff, they do that stuff all the time, right? And i got this one, his name is, is Jan, and he's got family in Colorado, and he, and he comes up to me and goes, Pastor Robbie, and he's got this deep voice, and he says, Pastor Robbie, you want to go uh, down this black diamond? And I'm like, what is that? He's like, it's really challenging. I'm like, no, I don't want to go down that, right? And so I see a sign, no kidding, that says, easiest way down the mountain, right? That's, that's for me. That's the way that I want to get down. It's got a picture of like a bunny rabbit next to it. That looks like my speed right there, right? So uh, I get ready and I'm going down. And here's one more thing. <clears throat> if you're going to go snow skiing, there's two things that you really need to know how to do. Number one, stop. <laughs> All right? At least be able to slow down. Number two, turn to the left and to the right, right? I couldn't do either of those things, right? At least not well. Not, not well, apparently not well in this instance anyway. So I'm coming down the mountain, <clears throat> and, uh, and it's getting a little steeper, and there's a curve coming up, and, uh, and I noticed that if I don't make this turn that's coming up, I will actually fly off the mountain, right? And, and I will be with the Lord, right? <laughs> and I don't think it's time yet, right? I don't feel in my spirit that it's time to meet with Jesus yet. I've got other stuff that I'd like to do. And, uh, and so I start leaning this way like they teach you in the class and all that. And, uh, and I'm leaning to the right. Nothing's happening. And so then I start putting my skis, pointing them towards each other like this, making the, the, the it looks like a piece of pizza. And, uh, and that's supposed to slow me down. And, and it doesn't, right? I just look weird and dumb. And, uh, and I'm going down the mountain like this. And I'm getting a little scared. And I'm trying to hide it, you know. Like, yeah, I'm not going to make it, right? <clears throat> and, I, and I'm keeping on leaning this way. And I'm not turning. And, uh, and those trees and stuff and the edge is getting closer and closer and and, uh, and, and for some reason, I remember seeing, like, bodies on the ground by me and ski poles and gear everywhere. And I'm like, what am I doing here, right? And, uh, and I can't stop. And I know, okay, and, and then it's like it's serious, like, oh, this is bad. I, I've got to stop or, or turn, and I can't turn, so I've got to stop. And so my idea becomes, I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to lean all the way over, and I'm going to grab snow and stop. I'll just skid to a halt, right? That's my plan. Well, that's what I decide to do, right? Because it's either that or certain death. And so... <laughs> And so what I do is I, f I lean all the way over, and finally when I do that, my ski bites, right? It bites into the snow, and it does finally start to turn. Well, this one bites too, but just the tip of it. And, uh, and so this leg, my left leg, turns all the way around, almost like backwards. And, uh, and then if you've ever seen a cartoon where somebody's snow skiing and they fall, they start tumbling over and over, and they become that snowball coming down the mountain. That was me. <laughs> and, uh, and so, and I'm, I don't know, all I see is uh, there's this, like this 
I don't know, it probably took like 20 minutes. It feels like it took forever, right? But it probably was just a couple of seconds where I saw sky and snow and sky and snow, and I'm just tumbling, right? And I finally, I stop and I'm all flailed out everywhere. And, uh, and, and just the worst pain that I've ever been in my entire life uh, in, in my left leg. And I'm like biting on my coat, trying not to scream like a, like a tiny girl, right? <laughs> and, uh, and I mean, it's painful, right? And I'm a former police officer. I've been tased. I've been hit with pepper spray so I could carry those things. I know what, I'm a former Marine. I've been through Parison. I know what pain feels like. This was worse than all those things. <laughs> and, uh, and so finally, I, I open my eyes and I get my composure and I'm still just, just terrible. And I'm afraid to even look at my leg. And I look up and there's a couple of people, strangers, standing over me, looking down like this. And, I'm, and, and they've got their mouth open like, I can't believe what we just saw. Oh my gosh, right? And I'm surprised they didn't come like try to take a selfie with me or something, right? <laughs> so I get, so I'm, 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 laying, I'm laid out, looking ugly, sprawled on the ground. I look up and there's these two people. They're staring at me, mouth open. I'm like, seriously, hey, y'all might want to call somebody. <laughs> I can't get up from this, right? So they take me, so I'm the, I go to the hospital and turns out that my leg is, is, uh, is broken, like below the knee, it's just shattered. I ended up getting surgery, got two plates on the side of my leg down here, got a nasty cool-looking scar now, right? But uh, got two plates and like 13 screws going in the top of my shin and stuff. And um, to this day, I still kind of limp. I can't run and stuff like I would like to anymore. Um, recovery process took a long time. It was a very painful. I didn't go back to work until like, that happened in January. I didn't actually go back to work um, in the office and stuff until probably April, something like that. It was a long time out. I was taking all kinds of crazy medicine. I made some really really funny videos for the youth group and posted on YouTube. You can check those out later, right? I was text messaging my, my buddy, Pastor Paul Bover. Uh, I, I texted him one time, uh, and I said, hey, Pastor Paul, let's talk about some super spiritual stuff. And uh, he texted me back, question mark, and I texted him again, triceratops. True story, right? And then he calls my wife and says, hey, you better take Robert's phone from him. He's doing some good things. Thanks for nothing, right? So, by the way, um, my wife took such good care of me in, in that time. She was awesome. Um, she was my caregiver, and, uh, and, and it, was, it was a cool uh, thing. I learned a lot about her in that um, she loved me more than I even thought. Um, yeah, yeah. That was a storm. That was a hard time. That was a storm that I went through. People go through much worse things than that. You may have gone through something worse. You may be going through some kind of trying or difficult time in your life right now. Where is Jesus when we're going through the storm? Where is he? Because some folks would ask, why, if, you, well, if you're a pastor, why would he let that happen to you? Well, he didn't make me slide down that mountain like that, right? I have the free will to make that choice. And he might have been thinking, this is not going to end well, right? <laughs> but I've got the free will to, to do that. And the, the thing is that sometimes we, we, we always, we live in a fallen world, and sometimes we, we deal with the consequences of that. We have to deal with things like sickness and injury and death and the consequences of sin, right? Our own sin and other people's sin. Sometimes we have to deal with the consequences of that, and it's not pleasant. But where is God, where is Jesus when we go through those things? First off, we have to understand that he doesn't cause us harm. His plans for us are good. He promises to prosper, not to harm us. But where is he when we go through the storm? Well, Deuteronomy 31.6, God says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified, because the Lord your God goes with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. The answer is, where is he during the storm? He's with you. He's with you. He's right there. He's willing. He's able to get you through it. Psalm chapter 18, verse 2 says, The Lord is my rock. Somebody say rock. rock. My fortress and my savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield. 
the power that saves me, and my place of safety. So the question for the person of faith is never really, where is Jesus? Because we know that he's with us. We know that he's there. The question we need to ask ourselves again in that time is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? He says to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? He's talking to the, to the wave. Be still, quiet, I said. I rebuke you, wind, right? Why are you so afraid? Why do you still have such little faith? Jesus seemed to say that kind of thing a lot. You have little faith. Are you still so dull? All those things. Faith, what is faith? If they've got a little bit of it, what is it? Hebrews 11.1, 1, right? Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. I know like two of you said that. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So faith is confidence in God regardless of the circumstance. It means not being overwhelmed by condition or situation. Instead, knowing that we have an overwhelming God, not overwhelming situations, an overwhelming God who is steadfast and all-powerful at all times, no matter what we may be going through, no matter what the report, no matter how we feel, even in spite sometimes of what we may see with our eyes, God is in control and he's worthy of our whole trust. When I was in the hospital during those times, I was dealing with that injury, I was getting bad reports from the doctors, right? They were saying things that, it's not encouraging when you're laid up in some bed and the doctor comes in and looks at you as, mm-hmm, mm, right? And he's making all kinds of noises, mm, right? And he's using words like severe and, uh, and, uh, and powdered when he's talking about the condition of, I wish I would have brought a picture to show you how nasty it looked because it looked bad. It still doesn't look good, right, in the, in the, in the x-rays and stuff. Um, some of those reports were not encouraging. And I'm a realist when it comes to that kind of thing. Uh, yeah, sometimes we get injured, sometimes we get hurt and that kind of stuff. But I also believe in a mighty God who's not subject to man. God is the changer of outcomes. God is the healer of crippled bodies. He's the defier even of medical reports. He's the confounder of earthly wisdom. He's the eradicator of infirmity. Who is Jesus? He's the one, he's the only one who's worthy of putting your faith in. He's the only one that's worthy of putting your trust in. But our faith in God has got to be based on who he is rather than the circumstance that we go through. When our faith is determined by circumstance, that's a weak faith. Do you hear me on that? When our faith is determined by circumstance, that's a weak faith. That's a detained, captive, easily lost faith. So when the disciples came to Jesus and they said, don't you even care if we drown? They betrayed the fact that they had little faith. They had weak faith. Don't you even care? They're asking that. They're thinking, we're all going to die, and they're in the presence of God. Waving, wavering in desperation due to, to weakness. It's that kind of immaturity that causes people sometimes to be led astray by liars, deceivers, people who would twist the word of God for their own gain. Anyone who wants to uh, make some kind of an empty promise like that, our faith in God cannot be determined by a circumstance. We can be confident in who he is no matter what, even when we don't necessarily see the outcome. Why? Because God calms the storm. We could have confidence that he does. We can have confidence that he will. So when we go to him, we don't have to be ones that say, uh, don't you care? Don't you see what I'm going through? What, don't you care about me? Rather, we know him. We can approach him saying, Lord, I know that you care, and I need you. Here's what I'm going through. How often in the Psalms did David do that? When he's being pursued by Saul or Absalom or whoever else it was that was against him at the time, right? I want to have that David in the Psalms kind of faith. How about... Uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and, uh, and Abednego. 
right? You guys heard of them in the fiery furnace, right? They were arrested, brought before the king because they refused to worship this image that he had set up. It was looking bad for them to the point that they actually got thrown into the fire to be executed. But before they went in, they told the king, the most powerful man on earth, King Nebuchadnezzar, they said, we do not need to defend ourselves in this matter. Because if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. But even if he does not, we will not serve this thing that you've set up. We will not waver in our faith. Our confidence is in God no matter what. That's faith. That's not dependent upon circumstance. That's not dependent upon situation or man. Not even dependent upon the outcome. They said, we don't care. We're not going to serve this thing because we know that the Lord is God. Who is Jesus? Well, first off, he's, he's limitless. And limitless means, what, what, what does limitless mean? Not limited. No limit, right? No limit. Jesus is not limited by our opinion. He's not limited by politics. He's not limited by pop culture. He's not limited by what's popular or the current fad or trend. He's not limited by your background. He's not limited by uh, what you've done in the past as to what he can do in your life. He's not limited by mistakes that you've made ever. He's not limited by who we think we are or what we think we know. He's not limited by who we think he is or what we think he is capable of. He's not limited by constraints that we or the world may want to put on him in order to not offend or be comfortable or deny sin or hide our feelings or justify the world's version of righteousness. Who is Jesus? We need to be able to answer that question. You need to be able to answer that question, saints of God. Because people that you know, people that you encounter, your classmates, your friends, even your family members, today, they may not be literally asking. I, I doubt that someone Monday or Tuesday or whenever you go back to school is going to come up to you and say, who is Jesus? Right? I mean, they may. It's possible, right? But I think a lot of people that you and I interact with are daily asking questions, maybe even in their own hearts, questions that Jesus is the answer for. Questions like, how am I going to get through this situation? You may be asking yourself that. How am I going to get through this situation? What happens when I die? If you're an adult, how can I save my marriage? If you're a teen, how can I stop cutting myself? What am I supposed to do with my life? What should I do as far as college? Is it okay to have sex before marriage? Is it okay to be gay? Should I try this thing? Should I take this drink? Does anybody care about me? And either directly or indirectly, Jesus is the answer to every one of those questions. Because when I insert him into every one of those questions, every one of those situations, I'm forced to look at it differently because of who he is. Who is Jesus? All I can do really is tell you guys a little bit about who he is in my life and let you go from there. So who is Jesus? In my life, he's my storm calmer. He's the demon beater. He's the devil defeater. He's my broken bone mender. He's my common cold healer. He's the lover of those who may have felt unlovable. He's the embracer of the untouchable. Jesus is the lifter of the downtrodden. He is truth to the seeker. He is the giver of sight to the blind. He is the giver of hearing to the deaf. He is the giver of justice to the robbed. He is the friend of the friendless. He is hope to the hopeless. He is the chain breaker. He is the life giver. 
He is the bringer of courage to the fearful. He is peace for the anxious. He is rest for the weary. He is joy for the mourning. He is a friend to the lonely. He is the death of sickness. He holds the answer to every problem. He's the good news. He's the only one that's worthy of praise. He's the one true God. He's the Lord Almighty. He's the Son of Man. He is my Lord and Savior. He is Jesus Christ. Why don't I get my worship team to come up? Pastor Paul and Melody and all you guys, go ahead and quickly move on up there. Do it quick. The Spirit of God is in this place tonight. God wants to do more in your life and in your heart tonight. Are you ready? Are you ready to receive more of Him? Are you ready to receive more of the Holy Spirit tonight? Are you ready for Him to move in your life? Are you ready for Him to do some new and awesome thing in you tonight? Because He's ready. He's been ready. When we were worshiping earlier, I knew that God wanted to do something deeper, and Pastor Stefan hit it on the head. He's going to minister in a deep way tonight. Who is Jesus? He's exactly who the Word of God says that he is. He's exactly who we needed him to be. Even when mankind didn't know it, he's sovereign, he's holy, he's pure, he's righteous, he's all-powerful, he's all-loving, he's still living. He's God Almighty. He's the King of kings. He's the Lord of lords. He's the risen one who conquered death and hell, who defeated the devil, who saved the sinner, rescued the lost, took the punishment of the wicked that you and I deserve. Who is Jesus? Do you know that from the beginning of the book to the end of the book, Jesus is in the Bible? He is revealed through the pages of God's Word. He is present, He is evident, He is unchanging. He has been here, He's been around since the beginning. He is unchanging. He is God. If you've ever even picked up your Bible, it tells you exactly who He is. He's in every book, start to finish. You just have to seek Him out to find Him. Because the Bible says that whoever seeks, finds. Whoever asks, receives. Whoever knocks, the door will be open to him. Who is Jesus? He is everything that you need for every and any situation. Just open the book and see. In the book of Genesis, he is the creator God, making man in his own image. In Exodus, he is the deliverer of Israel. He's the Passover lamb. He's the pillar of fire and cloud. He is always faithful. He is always near. In Leviticus, you can see him in the sacrifice. In Numbers, he is the healer of every disease. In Deuteronomy, he is the prophet that will rise up from Israel. In Joshua, he is the captain of the Lord's army who takes them into the promised land. Who is Jesus? In Judges, he is the victor over the enemy of God's chosen people and the judge of all things. In 1st and 2nd Samuel, he is the root of Jesse, and he's the son of David. In 1st and 2nd Kings, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. In 1st and 2nd Chronicles, he is the exalted head over all creation, the holder of all power and might. He is worthy of all praise. Who is Jesus? In Ezra, he is the hope of Israel. In Nehemiah, he is our mighty wall. In Esther, he is the one that stands in the gap. In Job, he is the mediator between God and man who knows our troubles and hurts with us. Who is Jesus? In the Psalms, he's our shepherd, our ever-present help, our reason for singing. In Proverbs, he is all wisdom personified, present with God before creation. In Ecclesiastes, he is, he is our purpose, he is our truth, he is our joy. In Song of Songs, he is passionately in love with his bride. Who is Jesus? 
In Isaiah, he is freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. In Jeremiah, he is the rejected prophet. In Lamentations, he weeps over his lost people. In Ezekiel, he is the giver and breather of life and to dry bones. In the book of Daniel, he's the ancient of days and the son of man. Who is Jesus? In Hosea, he is faithful to the unfaithful. He is the lover of the unlovable. In Joel, he is jealous for his people, pouring out his Holy Spirit when they turn to him. Who is Jesus? In Amos, he's righteous. In Obadiah, he is justice. In Jonah, he is forgiveness. In Micah, he is the promise. In Nahum, he is holiness. In Habakkuk, he is all-powerful. In Zephaniah, he's the coming king. In Haggai, he shakes the nations. In Zechariah, he is the Lord of hosts. In Malachi, he's the refiner's fire. Who is Jesus? In Matthew, he is the Messiah of Israel. Come on, somebody, stand up and help me praise God. In Mark, he is the suffering servant. In Luke, he is the Savior of the Gentile and the Jew. In the book of John, he's the Word of God. In Acts, he's the risen and ascended Lord. In Romans, he's the righteousness of God. In 1 and 2 Corinthians, he is power and wisdom. Who is Jesus? In Galatians, he is redemption and freedom. In Ephesians, he is our defense and armor against the devil's attacks. In Philippians, he's our strength. In Colossians, he holds all things together. He's the fullness of God. In 1 and 2 Thessalonians, he's our hope and joy. In the letters to Timothy, he's our savior, planned before the beginning of time. In Titus, Christ is our message, the gospel that we preach. In Philemon, he's our benefactor, the giver of every good thing that we have. Who is Jesus? In Hebrews, he's our great high priest. In James, he lifts up, he lifts up the humble. In Peter's letters, he's our hope and the delight of God. Who is Jesus? In John's letters, he, Christ is our advocate who came in the flesh, our example of fellowship and love. Who is Jesus? In Jude, he's the merciful Savior who snatches people from the fire. He's all up in the book of Revelation. My friend, in the book of Revelation, he's the one that's coming again. He's the Lion of Judah. He's the Lamb of God. He is the living one. He is the one who was dead but is now alive forevermore. The one who holds the stars in his hands. The ones whose eyes are like a fiery flame. He is the amen. He is the faithful and true witness. The originator of God's creation seated on the throne, surrounded by angels who never stop screaming and singing at the top of their lungs forever and ever. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Who is Jesus? I'm not done. He is the bringer of salvation. The Lord God Almighty, the groom of the bride whom he has made spotless, that's you. He is the rider on the white horse, the one who is called faithful and true, the wearer of many crowns, whose robe is stained with blood, whose name is the word of God, the commander of heaven's armies, and his name is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the judge of the living and the dead. Who is Jesus? His word says that he is coming quickly. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega, the first and the last, the bright and morning star. He is the coming King. He is Jesus Christ, and he will be your Lord and Savior if you choose him today. Can somebody say amen? Yeah. This melody begins to sing, and Pastor Paul and our, and our youth group plays a little bit. Every person in this place... If you've not yet done so, I don't normally say it like this, but I beg you, 
to commit your life to him tonight. Those things that I just read, that's what the word of God says that he is. That's who he is. He is trustworthy. Will you turn your life over to him tonight? I know that there are folks in here tonight who, who don't know him, who've never made that choice. I know that there are folks in here who have made that choice recently or a long time ago. You say, you know, I choose Jesus. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. And yet, uh, I, I wanted to be Lord of my life, and yet you've not lived like it. Been there. Lived that. But by God's grace, he drew me back to him. And he gave me that moment in my life where I was able to say, I know where I've been is not where you called me to be. And I choose you now. And I choose to begin again to walk in your freedom, to walk in your deliverance, to walk in your healing, to make you Lord of my life. So tonight, will you commit your life to him? Will you recommit your life to him? There are some folks in here tonight who need special prayer, who's got something going on in their lives that you've got this situation that uh, you don't know how you're going to deal with it. You've been, maybe you've been thinking, God, where are you in this? God says, I am with you. Will you let me be who I am for you in this situation? So in just a minute, I'm going to invite you to come forward. Spend some time with God at the altar. Allow him to minister to your heart. If you're one of those folks that have never accepted Jesus into your heart before, if you've never made him the Lord of your life, tonight I want to invite you to do that. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Let's, let's do that right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed in this place. No person looking around. That's you tonight, and you say, I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. Tonight I choose him for the first time. I don't know without a shadow of a doubt that I've got heaven when I die or when Jesus comes back, but I want that security tonight. I want to be saved. The Bible says that no one will see heaven unless they are born again. None of us deserve it. None of us deserve heaven. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. All that stuff that we just talked about. He took the punishment for our sins on the cross so that we wouldn't have to endure the punishment that would come after us. So if that's you tonight and you say, I don't know for certain that I'm saved, but I want to be. And tonight I choose to be born again. If that's you, will you raise your hand? With no person looking around just so I can see it, will you raise your hand? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. You put your hands down. If that's you tonight, I want to invite you to pray this prayer after me. This is not a magical, special prayer. You have to pray this from your heart. But you're about to get born again. And every person here who knows Jesus, if he's your Lord and Savior, I invite you to say this with them as, a, as an encouragement to them. But each person here that just raised your hand and every other person who already knows Jesus, will you repeat this after me? Say, Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner and that I need a Savior. Jesus, will you please be my Savior? Will you forgive me for my sins? Will you help me to turn away from sin and live for you? Jesus, I choose you. Be the Lord of my life. And I accept you now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, give God praise tonight.
We're going to go back into worship for a minute, and as we do, I want to invite, if it's okay with Pastor Stefan, all the 5979 leaders to come forward, and, and uh, as well as Miss Tiffany and uh, Miss Joe, our satellite youth leaders. If y'all want to come forward and make yourselves available for prayer. And students, if you've got a situation that you need someone to pray with you specifically for, maybe, again, it may be sickness in your body, it may be just a particular situation that you're dealing with, and you need someone to stand in the gap for you for that, these are folks that want to do that. That's what we're here for as servants and leaders. You may just need to spend some time with God on your own, and every person here tonight, I encourage you to do that. So whether you're meeting with a leader or you're just going to find a spot at the altar, spend some time in God's presence and allow him to move and minister in your life. So on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to go ahead and do that. So don't wait to see if the person next to you is going to come move. Don't uh, wonder if anybody else is going to go up first. If you've got a situation in your life that you need uh, God to move in and you want somebody to pray for you, come to them. If you need to spend time with God, and that's every person, come spend time with God. That's what the altar is for. Are you ready? One, two, three.